0: Big Adventures with Brian Durker is brought to you by Arizona River Runners. Just getting started on your own big adventures? Arizona River Runners' three-day Grand Canyon heli, ranch, and raft trip blends authentic western ranch experience with world-class whitewater. Explore secret waterfalls and drift to sleep on the banks of the Colorado River under a blanket of stars. Longer trips are available as well. Let Arizona River Runners take care of the details on your own big adventure visit RaftArizona.com.
1: Brian Ducker here. Big adventures, guys. Welcome aboard. You know, I have a tremendous respect for the sound of our podcast, and Gavin Bugner is uh, the sound engineer that provides this really clean, crisp sound for us. Uh, I'm sure my style of recording makes him pull his hair out. But uh, this next guest, George Yard, they were nice enough to invite me over to their house to do the tapes, and uh, uh, kind of a compromised scenario for Gavin because there was a lot of background noise and this, that, and the other, but a disclaimer on the quality of some of it because there was a lot of background noise. That aside, we're so thrilled to have George Yard. And we got some Sharon in there. And, you know, George is into his 90s, and I feel real lucky to have spent so much of my life around this man. He's, uh, he's my best friend's dad and really took me under his wing a bit as I grew up and took me out on the ranches and uh, fixed this when we were broken. He's a medical doctor, and uh, we spent a lot of time with him on the river. He's a boatman, too. This guy does it all, and he's done it for, like I say, a long time, 90 years or so. So I hope you will pop a beverage, whether it's a sarsaparilla or a beer, sit down in a nice, comfortable chair, and welcome George. I'd like to just get your early days story, like where you were born and when you were a kid. Can you just share with us a little bit of your childhood past?
2: Okay, I I was born in Bisbee, Arizona and uh, my father was a merchant there. Loved ranching so sometime when I was a kid he bought one ranch. He sold it, bought another and So we got into ranching, not big ranches, little ranches, and I fell in love with it. And yet I could see there was not much of a way to make a living. So I went to college, and I I went through several things. I was an engineer for a while. And then I was in agriculture for a while. And then I, I I ran into a real fine Ph.D. doctor that encouraged me to go in to practice medicine, try to go to medical school at the U of A. Anyway, I did that. and So along about 52 or 53, and uh, I went to a Northwestern Medical School back in Chicago and it was a completely different experience. I had lived in the West all my life. It was kind of a western kid and kind of cowboy. So got back there with with a guy, a bunch of guys that I thought were dudes. They turned out to be pretty good fellers. So I graduated from medical school and and then the army took me to Fort Carson, Colorado, where I practiced general medicine. And they ended up putting me in the obstetric business. And I started delivering babies, lots of babies. And I liked it. And I was there for a couple years, three, I think. And uh, there were four of us that were delivering about eight babies a day, and we divided all the business between us. Wow,
1: eight babies a day?
2: Yeah. That's a lot of babies.
1: How many do you think total in your world that you've delivered? Have you kept count? No,
2: never did. Anyhow, I came and I got transferred from Fort Carson to Berlin, and I was the... I was the obstetrician for Berlin American Soldiers. I was not a board-qualified obstetrician, but I had delivered probably more babies than some of the obstetricians had. And uh, I had one German doctor that worked underneath me, and between us we delivered all those G.I.s that were married mostly to German girls. And uh, I learned to speak a little German and had a real wonderful experience there. My wife and I, we traveled around different places in Europe and had a good time with that. And we got along real well at that time. Eventually, my first wife, and I, when we moved back to the United States, we just didn't hit it off too well. So we we cut the string. And shortly after that, well, I didn't meet Sharon. I had been watching her in the hospital all along. You long.
1: rascal, you
2: <laughs> rascal, you. <laughs> and, uh, and
1: who wouldn't keep their eye on something like that?
2: So we sort of... <laughs> Uh, we started getting kind of serious. Next thing you know, we got married. We have had a delightful life. We have been into lots of things, doing different things. The medicine we practiced together. and we we also did a lot of fun things together. This was your
1: bride of your life right here. Oh, yeah. So then you continued doctoring, but let's talk a little bit about the juggling act between your practice and the different ranches. Let's talk a little bit about your different ranches.
2: Yeah, well, uh, I kept practicing medicine, but we bought a little ranch on the Mogollon Rim and Sharon loved the animals. She loved the cattle. And Was that the wood,
1: Woods Canyon?
2: Yeah. And she loved the terrain. And so we just pitched in. Had a good time practicing medicine together. And a good time ranching. And she had one daughter who I dearly love. And I had four kids. So we put them together and after a while, they got along pretty good. Kind of a twisted little Brady Bunch sort of thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then after that Woods Canyon Ranch, what do we have? You did? Is that when you went down to Young? Young. Yeah. Young was your next one, and that was the... Bar X. Bar X. Yeah. That was sure a neat place down there.
2: Yeah, well, You were down there a few times. Yeah.
1: And we chased around some doggies down there, and... That was a pretty good sized spread, wasn't it down there?
2: Well, they got bigger as I went. As you went along, but still not in terms of. Arizona ranches are huge. Yeah. And uh, both those ranches, they were big for us, but not considered big. Medium sized ranches, but we had to do it all. We rounded them up and. We branded.
1: Well, no, it was wonderful, you know, just being a kid, uh, good friends with Mike, your son, and going, going down to your ranches has always been a big, special part of my life as well. It's from there, you left the Bar X, and did you go directly to the Perkinsville Ranch? Yeah. From there. And that's a beautiful place. I mean, that's in a canyon, and it's a good segue. It's right on the Verde River. Beautiful beautiful spread with a big easement that goes clear up to Jerome and uh George and Sharon have developed it for water you know tremendous place and and uh you got into the organic feed or the the grass feed fed beef and developed a lot of your own grass.
2: We were there a little over 25. Yeah you were there a long time. We built a lot of fence. We built some corrals. We built a barn We did the usual type of things then on a western ranch, and we had lots of fun. We had lots of guests. Well, you threw some pretty good parties out there. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I was there for those.
2: On occasion.
1: Um, Now, Perkinsville, I mean, just the setting of that ranch is a great segue to talk a little bit about your feelings for Grand Canyon and your, your experience with with Mike being a boatman, me being a boatman. and uh, It's kind of a, just like ranches are a special part of my life. I know that the Grand Canyon's been a special part of your life.
2: Yes, it has. And, uh,
1: say what you feel about that.
2: Well, the Grand Canyon, there's only one, and it's all inspiring, but you don't run cattle in it. <laughs> I guess there are a few wild donkeys down there but being as mike was a boatman he used to get me on the river not frequently but somewhat often and i got to run boats for him with him
1: um you know i think that the grand canyon just for this whole community has an amazing uh effect In uh, a lot of kind of unspoken ways, but I think even for the people that don't run the river regularly, if you've been down there like just once or twice, or especially in your case, if you've been around loved ones that are down there, it's their profession, but the experience of running your own boat through the canyon... Yeah, now, that's thrilling stuff. That first time you have your own boat. And, uh,
2: yeah, my got me into that. Yeah, he uh, got me on the baggage boat, right. which is the boat that the new ones get to do. And
1: yeah, no people,
2: just and, uh, and the yeah. shitters and the right. You get to make all luggage. your own mistakes, and I yeah. made them all, I think.
1: But that's a real uh, rite of passage in a way, in this community. Yeah, it is. And uh, also, you've doctored up a lot of boatmen.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Sharon Sharon and I,
2: for the fun of it, we used to have sick call down there for the guests and the boatmen. And we had a lot of fun with different colored pills.
1: Yeah, the different colored pills is a fun thing. What George is talking about there is uh, what are they tracer? Uh, what is that all, all all that about the different the, colored pills that change your well, urine? Well, there's
2: a pill that used use for urinary tract infections. It's called pyridium, and all the doctors will use it. it. Turns the urine red. And occasionally, when a guy had just a cold, I'd give him a cold medicine. And some pyridium.
0: <laughs>
2: I once had the banker, Jim Lee, down there. And he was kind of sporting around. He had a good cold. And so I gave him some pyridium. And the next morning, he came running back over the hill. My God, he said, I'm I'm, dying. I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding. <laughs>
1: You know, a lot of times uh, people are fairly underspoken about the volume of work that they do. But uh, what were some of the highlights? I know delivering babies was a highlight for you. You loved it. And um, I've heard like in the thousands, right, of babies that you probably.
2: I never counted. A lot of people wish I had. But anyway, uh, delivering babies was a real pleasure to me. I had, uh, it was a happy type thing. Almost always ended up happy. A lot of worry before they came and then happiness after. That's the way obstetrics is. Beautiful thing, yeah. Life, life on its journey inward. Yeah. Because I like general medicine too. Uh, And I had some good colleagues at Flagstaff. Specialists and just about everything we needed. And I could refer to them if I had a problem that I didn't feel sure about. and It was, it was a wonderful relationship to have these friends. Some of them are still friends.
1: Well, we, uh, you know, just for the listener, uh, we had a party for George's 90th birthday just this week. And it was amazing how many old doctors and old friends of yours were there. This is your life, George Yard. I mean, they are For a me, lot For me, it was tremendous. Friends. Yeah, I bet, I bet yeah. you were having some fun. Because it sure looks
2: like it. you know how it is when you're getting married. What are you going to have, 20 people or 10 people or 16? But it's always a big problem to cut off where your friends are. So we kept adding to the list. And I one day, I said, hell, I'd invite anybody we like to, anybody that was a friend either 40 years ago or right now. And so we had, I think, over 200 people there. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. And probably a fair number over because
1: some people left early and more people came, and it was a really great turnout. It was a lot of fun. You know, back to your early career as a doctor, like when you were in Germany, didn't you get an accommodation for captain or something? Do you
2: well, look, I got a medal. Tell us a little
1: bit about that. You got a medal?
2: I got a medal, and doctors very really seldom get medals.
1: So what, what, what inspired <laughs> our government to?
2: Well, it's kind of an oddball situation.
1: <laughs> I, somehow but, I thought but that might be. We,
2: we had to have a, a mass hospital practice and I was assigned orthopedics because they had no orthopedics and I was assigned to it
1: so, uh, so ortho- I get over to orthopedics in a mass setting
2: yeah <laughs> and it was over next to the German border because they're wanting the Germans to see it perform as they were always showing off to each other anyway I got over there and they kept sitting in plane loads of patients and uh, we were supposed to just pretend we were doing things and I asked the boys that were there if they'd ever put a cast on and they were responsible for knowing but they never had. I said let's do it. So we started putting casts on and before the morning was over we had 52 patients in the ward, all with casts on.
0: <laughs>
2: Some had IVs. And it was really good. The kids had a good time. I had a good time. And then we went to lunch. During lunch, the colonels and the generals were talking, and evidently they had a VIP plane coming in with a couple senators and a general, and so one of the guys that was commandant of the Mass Hospital, he came to me and said, would you mind if we borrow some of your patients? (laughs) So (laughs) next thing I know in 10, 20 minutes, they had all 50 of those patients all over the hospital. Hospital looked like a real functioning hospital.
1: Excellent, most excellent.
2: So when I left, he thanked me very much for doing it. And uh, later on, the commandant of the hospital where I was in Berlin, he called me and said, we're going to have a honors presentation tomorrow, and you're the one that gets it because of your... Putting those 52 so cats
1: generosity <laughs> with all those <laughs> crime victims. <laughs>
2: so they gave me a commendation medal. That's a little green and white medal.
1: So you came back a decorated military guy from Germany.
2: And I've never been shot at.
1: <laughs> so back to your uh, river running days. Do you have a highlight? Like when you were running that... Baggage boat, and you went into House Rock Rapid and had to make that pull. Or when you got, do you is there a highlight that you remember being particularly concerned about your well being going
2: into some of those rapids? Well, there was one thing that happened. I wanted to have some beer for the guys when we went through the big rapid. What's it called? Well, either crystal or lava or it was lava lava something. yeah so we get the get the beer a whole case of heineken I thought that was a good deal We hide the beer on my boat and I guess because of a newness or something I didn't remember where we hid it so then I decided it got stolen by one of the other boats. So one night we put knives in our mouths and we go over to the other boats and cut off their, what do you call them, a beer bag?
1: Oh, yeah, drag bags.
2: Drag bags. Took it all our home. They were kind of angry about that. And later on I found out that the Heineken was underneath the toilet seat on my boat. That was a highlight. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, what kind
1: of stuff are you thinking about uh, in the next couple of years of doing? Do you have any travels in mind that you want to do? Or?
2: Well, you know, we almost waited too long because I'm not supposed to drive anymore. We have a boat. We have a trailer. I, I have a lot of things that I would like to do. I'm thinking about training my old horse to pull a buggy, and using the buggy around here to give people rides. Uh, that'll be a thrill to me. Yeah, that'll be
1: fun. And you know what? My uh, for for the listener, I I've got a wonderful relationship with George, and you really know it when the guy brings the wedding buggy to your wedding. And uh, I'll never forget seeing George Yard in that wedding buggy coming across the grass with the San Francisco peaks in the background. Oh, that was Bring, dramatic. Bringing my young bride to the ceremony. It was <laughs> a beautiful thing. Still, <laughs> one on of the, the more beautiful sights I've ever had in my life. The, up on the peaks. In regards to livestock and stuff, so you, you have one horse out here? or is Yeah, we are, are you just all gonna the horses
2: and all the cattle with the ranch. Here a year and a half ago. Did you, what was the big one? Uh, It got to be too much work. You had
1: two big.
2: uh, We had two Belgians. Belgians. And then
1: then you were down to one. Is that horse still around or? Yeah, I've got him out in the backyard. He's he's here. Yeah. Okay, that's your horse. That's a beautiful animal right there.
2: He's a neat old friend.
1: And you keep it moving and he's doing all right?
2: I rode him for 20 years, but. I don't know whether I'm going to ride him again or not. I think I will. But my balance. Give me a call and I'll come on out. My balance sounds not very good. You could help me on I could that help you. When I teach him to run the buggy. Yeah. Because no. I'm not strong enough to hold him if he should happen to run away. Let
1: me know. I'd love to be involved with that. Would you? Yeah, I really would. would I'd love you? that horse. You know, it might be kind of fun to do some sort of a little adventure in the next year or two, you know, and sure oh, you should be. you should call me. Let's go put a boat on a lake or go do something. You know. There's <laughs> a lot to do. <laughs> we'll get that ornery son of yours involved.
2: Yeah. Do you remember when we had sick call on the river, there were a bunch of people got sick and Sharon. <laughs> We lined them outside our tent and we'd examine It was your
1: military training back to the mass unit.
2: (laughs) We'd hand out medicine. I think we handed out some pyridium. Yeah,
1: secret pills like that. No, the good old days. You know, it it's uh you look back on those trips, uh that we've been able to do with family. And I'm sure Mike would uh, agree with me. Mike Yard would agree with me.
2: Those are some of the greatest. Like- I remember Sharon and I went down to the local, uh, some kind of shop. Anyway, she bought a nightgown and I bought a tuxedo. We got that in the, in the, one of those bags. So come time, we served all of you champagne in our tuxedo and formal attire <laughs> down, down in Great the Great
1: contrast to most of the uh, apres wear of the Colorado River. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're lucky enough to sit back down. There was a little lull uh, from our earlier conversation. Now we've got Sharon and George sitting in this beautiful living room. And I've already gotten in on about three or four stories just sitting here for five or 10 minutes. And so I'm looking forward to diving right into Sharon and George sharing with us uh, a little bit of fun stuff in regards to them. But uh, it's kind of mind-blowing to me how humbled you have been, George, with all these accolades But uh, Sharon, uh, tell me a little bit more about the bronc riding phase of George's.
3: Well, uh, you start. What we'll do is, uh, I thought of a bunch of uh, stories that uh, would be fun for George to talk about because he was the uh, U of A champion. He was the eleventh U of A champion back in 1950. What was that, 51, 52?
2: Yeah, 51.
3: Yeah. So let him tell you the story, because it, it's 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 a fun one.
1: If you would please, George, share that with us. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this one, too.
2: Well, it was my sophomore year at U of a and I had a good friend from back east in Illinois. And we were in the same fraternity, and... I was giving him some stuff about how the the rodeo, the University Rodeo was going. And he said, well, if you're such a smart aleck and you know all about it, he says, I'll pay for your entry fee and you enter in and see what you can do on the bull ride. So I did, he paid for it. I got next thing you know, I'm, I'm getting on a bull inside that Royal Arena. It's kind of scared me. I had done bull riding down there in Bisbee, but had never done it professionally. Anyhow. And how old were you? I mean, just to ask. Let's see. I guess I'd be 20. Is
1: it, it always seemed like a young man's sport to me.
2: It, it was a prime of my life. And I was playing football and I was wrestling, so I was in good shape. Anyway, that's quite a deal getting on a bull inside those chutes. You got about four different guys lifting you up and down, tying you to the bull, and the bull's fighting like hell. All of a sudden, the gate opens, and the bull's turned out, and off he goes. And <clears throat> I'm riding the bow, and things are going pretty good. You only have to ride eight seconds. Seems like 80 when you're doing it. Well, oh, I bet. Yeah. Anyway, the bull is a spinner, and he spun around and fell down and fell on me. And it uh, didn't hurt me. How many seconds did that take? Oh, I think about... <laughs> I don't know for sure, but probably about six. Anyhow, so there I am on the ground, the ball's on me, and they get a picture of it. And, and the judges get together, and they figure that the ground had been poorly prepared and it made the bull fall down. So they said if I wanted to ride again, I could. and wouldn't have to pay for it. So I rode again, and this time the ride went fine, and uh, I'll be damned if I didn't win the event.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and, but you paid.
1: Were you sore the next day after? I mean, I'm just looking at this photograph, and for the listener, uh, oh, we'll put this photo up with this uh, interview with George. But uh, it's you can see his foot sticking out one place and his body sticking out the He's other. head on his
3: the other, and then the hat laying the-
2: there, real quiet. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he came on on the my right side pretty hard, but it was underneath the. Canal behind his shoulder, and so it didn't hurt me.
0: That is
2: fantastic. And, but anyway, I'd be damned if I didn't win that thing. Well, and another photo
1: I'm going to take and uh, accompany this uh, chat with is that beautiful buckle.
3: Yeah, and the belt buckle you has, has some history. We didn't know this until. About a year and a half ago, we had some uh, cowboys, professional cowboys, come down and help us at the ranch. And uh, they were showing off their belt buckles. And Joy says, Whoa, well, I've got a belt buckle too.
1: <laughs> awesome. awesome. So I
3: went in and get this belt buckle. And dang, if they didn't look at the back, and here's the name of the company. What was it? SH means. And I look it up online, and, and sure enough, it's it's worth a lot of money.
1: Well, and you know, I've seen the big old uh, pie plate buckles that these cowboys wear these days. This is a really—it's a piece of, of art. It's oh, a beautiful. It, it, it's a piece. It, it's My a goodness. piece
3: of art. But what was so cute about it is uh, these guys, and both of them were probably in their late thirties. Uh, Had to have pictures with George. All of a sudden, George was famous because he had this bell buckle. (laughs) I got such a big kick out of that. (laughs) But going back to the championship, though, he not only wins the buckle, but what else did you get? You got another prize.
2: I won a suitcase.
3: Samsonite suitcase from back then was leather. It was... It's. He had it just until a couple of years so ago. So it's
1: taught, taught knots.
3: Oh, yeah. It's it's Samsonite. Was event. this
1: in Tucson or? Yeah.
3: At the U of A in Tucson. Did
1: you ever uh, go to any of those Prescott rodeos or they, there was a real big sanctioned rodeo in yeah, Prescott? Yeah, we went to
2: a few of them. The first rodeo in the United States is claimed by Prescott to have been. In their town, well, everybody knows it's Baghdad, Arizona. But I didn't go down there. I was a forty-year-old doctor. I didn't ride any bull at that time. I tried roping again, didn't do very well. <laughs> and I missed. You know, I've always admired the skill set of of
1: uh, rodeo cowboy and uh, like. Especially how physical that bulldog is! Oh my God, those guys throwing those beasts down on the
2: ground.
3: You know that leads into another story because you know there's so many stories because of people coming down as friends and friends of friends and and uh, family uh, wanting to be a part of roundups and so they know nothing about roundups and how dangerous it can be there and behind the wrong gate and. Sometimes an animal hit that gate and ricocheted the the friend off into yonder. But we had these German; um, they were winners of the um, explain that part when uh, Myers got hurt and you had to.
2: Well, I have some kind of contest over there in Germany for the Marlboro winner and. Uh, I don't know exactly how that went because I wasn't over there, but four of them were awarded uh, a prize of being sent over to the United States. And they sent them from one ranch to another and uh, we had them on our ranch for about
3: Two 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 weeks, several years in a row. There were actually a whole bunch of them, and they got placed in different places. Some of them were with the Forest Service. Some of them were with public schools. We happened to be asked to take four of them on as uh, ranch hands and teach them a little bit about what we do.
2: Anyway, we had them, and we were doing different things like painting the corrals and— barns oh no and well, knowing you you were getting chores out of those boys oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. trying to oh
3: my goodness and they wanted
2: <clears throat> to go riding and they wanted to do some branding so we put off one day just to go branding and we get up there and we have a real fine roper but the crowd was a little small and uh he roped this one calf
3: via horseback he was on horseback roping the calf right okay and this is a friend of ours that were showing the these uh people they were early 20s how how it was done so he's roping in a small corral
2: well the calf worked around behind the horse the way the rope was tangled got underneath the ro- Horse's tail and body, and the horse started pitching and threw off the well, it rolled and threw off the cowboy who's a good friend of mine, his name is Dave Myers and big tough man, but the horse went down and so uh <laughs> we see the the horse is kicking and I thought he'd kick the man in the head and it was we were gonna have a horrible accident. Well, we get over there, and look at him, and he's got a big laceration over his forehead.
3: And then the Germans' eyes are like this big around, they're like saucers. They were scared spitless.
2: So I asked him, I said, Well, I'll take you into the hospital. But we are we're prepared to sew up things and my being a doctor, I went, I said, if you want, I'll sew you up. He said, yeah, George, show me up. So we put him on the back of the pickup bed and cleaned him up real clean, and then I sewed up the...
3: Well, George had me get, we we carry a little ammo can, and in the ammo can we have a surgical kit, with a sterile kit, <coughs> so it has the, the suture equipment in there, plus... Uh, uh, syringes and xylocaine and whatnot. So George is asking me, "You go over there and get that kit, and we'll get this ready and get it cleaned up where we can sew it up." So bring out the kit and lay it all out. And George gets scrubs his hands and get his gloves on. And all of the germ, all four Germans are hanging over the uh, the uh, bumper, not the bumper, what is it, the railing of the truck. Uh, watching this procedure. Yeah,
2: watching what real cowboys do. Right, (laughs)
3: right. So he proceeds to sew him up, glad.
2: Well, we were all kind of nervous. I didn't like having those dudes around anyway. I sew him up, and then I noticed that he's still bleeding. So we turn him over, and he has a laceration over his occiput, too, in the back of his head. So they just turn him over and shave that area and sew it. Up. Well, in
3: the meantime, the one gal, because there's two gals, two guys that are these German winners, and the one gal's over there dry heaving because it made her sick watching. But. Yeah, but and then, and then when it was all said and done, they they called this this cowboy the barrel Man because you know he's six foot three and he's good looking and and so he was their hero.
2: Well, then I decided to put him in the shade of the corral.
3: Yeah, it's this big bandit. you got to visualize this quickly. Oh, yeah. yeah Frankenstein. Front and back.
2: And uh, he says, Hell no, I'm going on the roundup. So he helped us drive the cattle about two miles away and come back. I imagine he had a headache, but he didn't back out. Uh-uh oh my god i would imagine he had a headache i
3: bet he had a headache anyway he was a good sport about it and boy those those germans took more pictures and they were so proud of him and yeah i'm sure they went back to germany and told him what a hero he was
1: well you know in in regards to the roundups i know there's a a, a bunch of stories around those roundups and i i uh, got in on a couple in Woods Canyon there, and uh, out at the uh, Young Ranch a little bit with you. But there's a famous Woods Canyon story about a rattlesnake in the cooler. Can you share that with us? Yeah, I can.
2: It still annoys you, doesn't it? <laughs> My son, who's a bit of a jokester. He was poorly raised, George. <laughs> I've always contended. Hey, uh, we're all out looking for cattle, and he finds a rattlesnake, and he decided a joke could to put it into the cooler. So he stabs the snake longitudinally in the brain with his his pocket knife while holding the snake down and the snake quits moving and he figured he's killed the snake so he puts the snake coiled in the cooler and as the guys come in with cattle and they want a drink they open up the cooler and there's a rattlesnake looking at them so (laughs) his one time after a few times the guy lifts up the lid and the rattlesnake moves and starts rattling so he's not dead <laughs> and that's a, going the hell out of me as well as everybody else so I told my son no more of this damn tricking people like that and sure enough the rattlesnake probably had a concussion was getting over being on the ice, <coughs> and nobody got hurt but it was it was exciting the very After. reason you're still annoyed
3: if you want another cowboy story this is kind of a good story too and that uh, it was many years ago and it was on the x triangle that's down at uh, duchess by munns park and uh, Hank Allen, a real good friend of Stephanie's, wanted to be part of the event. And this is still high school days, I believe. Fair- okay, so anyway, Hank comes down. He has a brand-new pair of shaps and a brand-new hat.
2: This was early in the morning, and he had his shaps off. And I happened to drop him underneath a horse who shit on him, and that. <laughs> <laughs> that really kinda of bothered him. Nice guy, George. So the rest of the morning he was waiting for a chance and he got
3: Well Mike I thought Mike then took and really rubbed the rubbed the manure into the shaps even worse. Yeah. And then he stomped on his hat.
1: Okay. Remind me not to dress up for uh, going and visiting you guys.
3: He wanted to make it look authentic and his just looked too darn new. Break
2: him in. (laughs) So then then Hank gets my hat. Right. And he hikes it up about a, oh, I'd say it's about a 30 or 40 foot pine tree, a ponderosa pine. And Hank's a little Seventh or eighth grader. No, way. no,
3: he was in high school, but he was he was a lightweight compared to you.
2: And he goes up the top of that tree and puts my hat up there, and I come back to camp and find out it's up there, and I go up to get it, and the tree bends over, I thought, and I can't I thought get gonna- it because the tree's starting to tend to, to <laughs> fail. <Right>. Yeah, so. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it would have been this way, and we were all on the ground watching this, and I'm like, God, he's, you know, he weighs a lot more than Hank, and that tree branch is just going, or the whole tree is leaning one way, and then all of a sudden it's leaning the other way, and you could see George way up there on that tree.
2: And they did get it today. Yeah,
3: you did. You shook it just right, and it oh. came down. Yeah, you got
2: it. Well, we had fun playing tricks on each other. Well, they're, yeah, they're
1: from rattlesnakes to uh, cheap shots in the ribs to setting some poor fellow's clothes under the. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I sure appreciate getting a little bit of time with you. You guys, thanks for sitting in. And uh, this is Big Adventures with George Yard and Brian Durker.
0: Let a Grand Canyon River trip be your big adventure. Arizona River Runner's three-day, two-night trip gives you the enchantment of a western ranch experience, the thrill of a helicopter ride through millions of years of geology, and the rush of Colorado River Rapids. Take a weekend to unplug as the Arizona River Runner's talented guides show you the best of what the Grand Canyon has to offer. Visit RaftArizona.com to learn more. Big Adventures is produced by Brian Durker, Margaret Knight, and me, Gavin Buchner. Bill Gleckler and his mandolin provide our music. If you like our show, please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts.